0: There are, there are several so. publications that suggest, that have actually found um, bacteria in the meconium, mm. which would suggest that, um, that obviously there is a microbiome in utero. Mm. Um, they're looking at it in the placenta, they're looking at it um, mm. you know, in the umbilical cord. So yeah. we have some meconium from a species yes. that mm-hmm. we've been looking at, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we found bacteria in mm-hmm. meconium uh, as well.
1: It's kind of like, when does life begin? When does the microbiome yeah. begin? Mm. Yeah, very interesting.
2: Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the PER Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek.
1: Hi I'm Dr. Susan little
3: and this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein with the per podcast and this is the second episode of talking about the cat microbiome. Yeah
1: yeah with Dr. Carolyn Mansfield. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being with us again. there's so much to talk about. Thank I you know you're
3: welcome. It is a field that is developing rapidly.
1: It is indeed. It's, it's exciting going to be part viral, of it. viral, although it's bacterial.
3: Oh, I do,
1: vir- I do viral work as well. I, okay. I would, yeah. Well, you got, we can say it's gone viral. It's okay. Excellent. I like that. So
3: thanks for being here again. My pleasure. I think one of the things that really has changed in the last couple of years is that they're not only looking at what species are in the microbiome and what is the change in the species, because there was a lot of discussion about the use of it but they also look at what are the species producing and you yeah. know and, uh. and so it's a whole uh it's an ecosystem, ecosystem within yeah. the microbiome that they're focusing on now and yeah. some really interesting stuff is coming out because obviously all the products that are producing there they're they're taken up by the gut too so that's yep. like you said serotonin is one of the one of the ones but it's probably a whole ecosystem of of you know, balances, checks and balances that are going yeah. on Yeah, there. so
0: there's probably a degree of redundancy um, within, um, you know, within the microbiome. So if one particular species of bacteria goes up, um, you know, or goes down, there might be some other bacteria that mm. take over their function. So just because you see that dysbiosis doesn't necessarily mean that there's a functional ah, dysbiosis. Yeah. yeah. So mm. it's really important that, you know, that we look at what, what's the metabolic, um, you know response to that and even looking at metagenomics so what are the genes that those bacteria are encoding doesn't necessarily help us because um you know the the genes can be expressed but if they're not actually producing the proteins yeah or the, or the metabolites that makes sense. it also doesn't help tell us the other issue with um a lot of the um you know the next gen like the pyrosequencing and the large output of data is you can actually you get so much data Mm. and -hmm. you know like it's predominantly you know bacteroides or Firmicutes and so you have these you know massive or or, you know clostridia you get huge um, uh, you know sequences from from those bacteria but they actually functionally might not be particularly important you're actually missing the functionally important ones yeah that are down here the other issue is if you're looking at fecal Bacteria they might not actually be the bacteria that are interacting with the immune system. They're just yeah. the bacteria that are in the feces mm. Okay, so we're kind of limited ethically in in how yeah. we can Assess the bacteria that are interacting with the immune system because the only way to get that is you know um, Either endoscopically with with biopsies or with brush, you know samples um, From the intestine which requires it's an anesthetic But I mean
3: yeah. are, can they do that in in lower species where they have a microbiome too when they because you know if you look at drosophila i mean we know everything about that fruit fly yeah and and so can they they have probably have a digestive system too and they probably have a microbiome in it too so and, so they
0: they've, i mean it's done extensively in mm, in rodent models mm-hmm. but but it's not the same microbiome. Well, no, no, that's cat, true, that's right? true, that's and true. But I mean, I think- And it, everything else is controlled. So yeah. genetically, mm. they're, genetically, they're the same. Environmentally, yeah. they're the same. Yeah. So we're just looking at one factor. And I yeah. guess, um, you know, it, it can, I, I think it's the, the first step, but if we actually wanna say, well, what's the translational impact of that? Or, or what does that actually mean? We actually need to get mm-hmm. samples. And you know, no one's gonna um, consent to having their baby scoped you know two months of age what i thought
3: was really interesting is you know the new endoscopic pill that you can swallow and that that they are developing into being able to take some samples while it goes down the gut yeah there might be some minimal invasive techniques Ah, that you can use
0: yeah and so one of the um collaborators that we're trying to work with at, at melbourne we're um, you know, this might be uh, hopefully hopefully not too many people listen to this and steal our idea for the next yeah. research project. <laughs> couple of thousand, yeah, <laughs> couple of a thousand, thousand. Uh, has developed a, um, a, a capsule that actually will measure short chain fatty acids yeah, exactly. as it goes through ah, the intestinal tract. Which yeah. is for us, that's one of the biggest challenges because measuring yeah. short chain fatty acids in feces is actually very challenging because yes. they're volatile, and so yeah, um, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, that's help. awesome. It and makes it,
3: that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for me, yeah. that, uh, that we were we were. When I was still doing my oncology stint, we were thinking about you know if you can take something that can take biopsies from your only, car. Th- yeah you'd
0: yeah. have to you'd, you'd almost want it to be like a video game though yeah like because you yeah. want to be controlling go like, you I want a remote control I want, I want, I want that yeah. one there right. otherwise it could just be a random spot yeah Which, I know I, no I that's guess true okay.
3: I mean but you know you have uh, you have diseases that affect the whole gut yeah and so yeah. instead of yeah. so you if you can take, take like a if it's oh, kind of God. a brush and it brushes yeah. the site and you get samples that way i'm not sure i mean it's mm. it's i think there will be so much more development and so so the other the
0: other thing that that we're doing which we're um about to submit the paper for um, publication is um, we've actually isolated the bacteria that are coated with IgA and IgG in feces. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are um, by default, I guess, the bacteria that are closely interacting with the um, intestinal immune system. So not the ones that are sitting in the mucus, but the ones that are coated with IgA or IgG mm. um, are actually interacting directly with the immune system. Yeah,
3: it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense that then you cannot because if you think about it, this is a huge organ we're talking about. It's yeah. not—it's not like a, a small organ. It's—it's it, it, it's quite a long, a big space. It, 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 and also, the—if you look at the surface, the contact surface of this organ, it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always think about the skin as being a contact surface, uh, but the skin is kind of a protective surface. This is a surface that's supposed to receive and give, yeah. and so it makes so much sense to do that. Yeah, mm. so it's really cool. I think I, you know, this is a bit, I can imagine that you're very enthusiastic because <laughs> if I was a GI, you know, internal medicine person, this is.
1: This the, is where you'd want to be this is the era mm-hmm. you know
3: where everything is going to happen mm. i hope so and, mm. and so, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, and then be part of that. i mean i can see that because you know for me that the whole two days was an eye opener but i'm a surgeon mm-hmm. and you know i did a lot of gi surgery that that and so I, I know a little bit about it but it was an eye opener because of the potential that's there yeah which is so cool and then we talked about the gut renal axis and the gut brain access and they've got this axis and you know, it, it's all connected and it's logical because we're one whole, you know, ecosystem once again. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is, that is super. I mean, it's mm. very exciting, uh, very exciting stuff. Um, funny thing of our, that meeting once again is that there were some human uh, MDs that were talking about it and uh, and Curtis was the first one that was talking about the new technology that they use to to look at the microbiome, which is flabbergasting. But uh, someone said uh, the biggest discussion that they have right now is when does the microbiome start in a you know newborn? Yep. And he said that's where you know if you if you are in an MD microbiome, that's where the fiery discussions start because people yep. are disagreeing so.
0: Yep, the there, are, there are several it. publications that suggest, that have actually found um, bacteria in the meconium, mm. which would suggest that, um, that obviously there is a microbiome in utero. Mm. Um, they're looking at it in the placenta, they're looking at it um, you mm. know, in the umbilical cord. So yeah. we have some meconium from a species. That we've been looking at, <laughs> yeah. um, and and we found bacteria, in mm-hmm. myconium ah, as well.
1: It's kind of like when does life begin? When does the yeah. microbiome begin? Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I want to ask you, uh, <clears throat> talking about microbiome, how does that intersect with some uh, common feline GI diseases? So inflammatory bowel disease, yeah. right? Which, mm-hmm. um, so my my um, uh, I have two feline only clinics in in Ottawa, and my uh, partner in the clinics um, used to say to me. Um, we do we do a lot of um, uh, GI endoscopy on patients. And he said, um, he said you find IBD in everybody. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of IBD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to me, A, that there just is so much. And so what's the connection, right? How does this interact? And I know you don't have the answer, but let's just no, talk don't. around, like, what I are we learning about this, right?
0: So I probably should have read this paper a little bit more recently because <laughs> I don't have the exact... Um, I don't have the exact figures to hand, but there was a paper that came. I think it was Sina Mas- Masilla. She um, did a, a paper where she did scopes of cats that were undergoing dentistry, okay. dental. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I know yeah. what you're
1: talking about. And they were scoped at the same time, but yeah. they weren't GI cases. They weren't GI yeah. cases, so
0: they were older, older cats yeah. um, that were considered to be normal by the owners. Yeah. Um, what's normal? Uh, that's that's another, a whole other. That's another whole conversation, but we're considered to be. You know, GI say clinically normal, yeah, yeah, and a a surprising number of them, I would say, I think it was might have been up to two thirds actually had GI pathology on those biopsies, and um, a a few of them actually were diagnosed with lymphoma. Isn't this amazing? Small cell lymphoma, and not all of them um, on in the follow-up period um, of that publication went on to develop GI signs, but a couple of them did.
1: Yeah.
0: So there's two ways to interpret that paper. One is the histology means nothing. Mm (laughs) <laughs> um, and that, that's that's a spectrum of normal. For yeah, that's yeah, true. What is normal? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah And so what we're saying is lymphocytic plasmacytic inflammation is just the gut reacting to normal stuff Yeah, maybe it reacts to the presence of a scope. Maybe yeah. you know like yeah. who who all the fasting Yeah, who knows who knows so so maybe it's not really inflammation um, And that's just an age-related mm-hmm. change. hmm
1: so, Has anybody looked at that? Like, do, yeah. No. Like at an age spectrum, right? so, so no. Like you could hypothesize that, right? That you Absolutely. might see more lymphocytic plasmacytic change in like a 10 year old cat than a two year old. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think that's hap- that's what happens with pancreas. I think what's diagnosed There you go. Is there's another pancreas. one. I, I don't, yeah. I don't believe what's there, diagnosed. There's is. another one. Yeah. I think the pancreas is probably just normal.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's
0: diagnosed as pancreatitis. Yeah. And we don't
1: have like life stage normals. No. No.
0: No. no, no. Well, they say there's pancreatitis in sixty percent of cats, and I go. Well, I know. I
1: remember that paper. It's like I don't think they have pancreatitis, right? No. I think they yeah. have
0: um, lymphocytes yeah. and plasma yeah. cells in their pancreas, which is a completely different thing. Yeah. So, so the first uh, first question is: mm. Is that a normal spectrum? spectrum in yeah. which case, we're we're overdiagnosing IBD in all of these poor little cats. Mm. However, they are vomiting, and you know we're not doing it for no reason, right? Right. Um. Or um or a lot of these cats do actually have subclinical um, intestinal disease and we're missing it. And we're missing it.
1: Yeah. I know. It's kind of scary both ways. <laughs> it's very scary both <laughs> ways. You think of that, right? It's yeah. kind of scary both ways. Yeah.
0: And what role does the microbiome? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's um, a, a big, hopefully w- to be explored area. Like, so what are the microbiome disruptions in these guys? Is there, Oh, well, we already know there's a there's a change in your microbiome with your Absolutely. age anyway right not not, not so, so much age?
0: not so much age not until they're very old Ah, okay so the microbiome's pretty um it's unstable until about three to f- in, in um in domestic animals it's yeah. pretty unstable until about three to four months, three to four months of four age months, right and then it's relatively stable barring illness yes um mm-hmm.
1: up until about 11 to 12. Yeah. okay so once we're in senior Once we have other species in years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then it can change. And
3: I can imagine that's also the reason why antibiotics have such a big effect because you have such a stable microbiome until you start popping in things that disrupt it completely.
0: Mm. Yes. And, but again, that disruption is going to be maximal in that um, initial period Mm. when the microbiome is first being established. Mm. If you've got a healthy, and the, the problem with antibiotics is the effect is quite asymmetrical and it's quite variable and dependent on the individual. So some individuals will return to normal and some won't. Mm. And it's hard mm. to predict which ones will or mm. won't um, in, in terms of that. Um, as long as the diet remains relatively consistent, the microbiome will stay pretty consistent. Mm. <coughs> I, I would love to do a study on the microbiome of cats with renal failure. Mm. Why? Because I think we could actually use it to detect changes before before they get over. Before SDMA? Yeah, or before. It, even then? Yeah, yeah that's. Um. SDMA. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, I do. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, how that could happen clinically, because at the moment, uh, you know, that's not something that's no. even feasible. But no. I think it would be fascinating to, to, to track cats and see whether we can identify. Microbiome changes through, but was, with your magic
3: yeah. pill, you can change them. Yeah, you the, can the, fed, the fatty acids will change them too yeah. So you might pick them up uh, yeah. much earlier. Yeah. You know, like
0: I think, I, I think mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're maybe ten or fifteen years away from something like that. You oh, know I it's probably not a magic pill, but maybe it's a. You know, you send your poo sample off every every year, and <laughs> yeah, you although, know, to, to get So, a check. so and, and
3: I because we're talking about an ecosystem. I think that just focusing on the GI microbiome, I think there will be, if your GI microbiome changes, the pulmonary will be reflections in your derm microbiome and the rest of the microbiome. So I'm not totally sure if the internal GI microbiome is the only way you should go. I think you need to look at it holistically again. So if, if it's true that the kidney will affect your GI microbiome, tell me that it will not inf- it affect your inner ear microbiome or whatever. <laughs>
0: Might affect your oral microbiome. I'm not so convinced about the derm. How so? Because there's there are no. You don't like derm. No, I don't like. <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think there are any studies in people that have actually shown that there's a connection between the two. Really? Mm. Yeah. Hmm.
3: I'm, quite... I'm, I'm I'm posing that right now because I I, I just. Uh, but uh, I think I
0: think it's harder. I think it's probably harder in people because of washing.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Probably potentially in cats, maybe maybe because of greening. Mm-hmm. M- true. M- maybe. Yeah, we're not busy. great at licking ourselves, but cats no, are no, I mean, their we, microbiome we use all a the time, of, right? We
3: use a lot of products and obviously that will affect yeah. your... Yeah, uh, But with animals, it's a lot less likely, yeah. so that might be Especially an cat. easier reflection. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I went to a DERM meeting due to, to what I'm doing now. Um, and they're talking about the microbiome too.
1: Yeah, of course. course It's it's, it's
3: just, everybody is talking about the microbiome. And I think it's it's really important, but mm -hmm. I'm
1: not sure about about the connection connection. yet. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I think everything is connected. So that's (laughs) that's my, Circling back
1: to to GI, a lot of this is really challenging our treatment paradigms, isn't it? Because, mm -hmm. you know, traditionally when we've got cats, with either acute or chronic GI disease, what are the things you think about? You know, what's written in textbooks? It's like, try metronidazole, try tylosin, try a diet change. And now we're like, oh, those things kind of disrupt the microbiome, mm, right? So, yeah. like, when is, so how do, how do we fit that how into the How do I do? Yeah. So,
0: so, for me, um, I want to make sure that there's no liver involvement, you know, that there's no concurrent cholangitis or right. polycystitis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with acute vomiting, plus or minus diarrhea, and if the animal, you know, if the cats, like like a sick cat yeah um i'll probably uh, they're probably not the, the cats that i scope but yeah. they're the cats that i look at their liver a little yeah. closely and i'll aspirate their bile and i'll put a feeding tube in yeah. they're the cats that i'll actually give antibiotics yeah. to and i probably yeah. would give amoxicillin yeah, rather than yeah. metronidazole just sure, like, yeah. because um it's excreted in the in the bile, in the bile yeah I don't know if you agree or yeah, disagree. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. um So for those, I think that's kind of slightly different, and I think you, you're actually treating the liver disease rather than the intestinal disease. Right. And then I kind of wait and see what happens. Right. I probably then would treat it with a diet yeah. after I've treated the acute liver yes, flare up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and most of them probably don't need anything other than that. Mm, um, mm-hmm. For the chronic ones, I'll start the chronic with, enteropathies. I start so with hard. diet, um, yeah. and and then I have this debate with our feline medicines. Um, I had this, well, not debate. I had a conversation. <laughs> Debate's are very, very strong. Yeah. We had this conversation, conversation, and so we were talking. We were talking about do you, do you, they ask me do you scope your cats.
1: <laughs> so this is a loaded question, right? Yeah, like, and I was like, yeah. going, "Where are you
0: going with this?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I know why you're asking me. Yeah. And and they said, "What does it matter if it's small cell lymphoma or so if it's IVD?" I
1: <laughs> I mean, this is the, the same question. It's this a discussion. It's yeah. a reasonable like, question. It's quite
0: a reasonable mm-hmm. question. And I said, "Um, I said, "I I often um, I have that conversation with the clients, yeah. and I talk them through it um, yeah. because often it's the same thing. You tried if the if the cat's chronic and not doing too badly, yeah. You've um, got time. You've got time to, play, got time right? to yeah. play, and you know, cabalamin and diet and yeah. see what happens, and yeah. then you know. But then, do you give pred, and do you feel comfortable giving chlorambucil if you yeah. don't have a histological yeah. diagnosis? Part yeah. of me feels a bit icky doing that. Yeah, um, you know, and. And then I think back to all of the scopes. What? How many times have I ever got an unexpected answer? How many times have I ever got something that's not lymphoma or not IVD that I haven't seen on ultrasound? Yeah. Yeah. you know, you haven't got a clue yeah. that something's and in a bit funky. That's probably pretty rare. Yeah, it's yeah. really rare. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: And we have a wide yeah. range of listeners. So, how do you do that conversation with the clients?
0: So how do we do it? So I guess I sort of talk about the fact, and, and the other thing is, even when I do an endoscopy, So I, I pretty much just say, so inflammatory bowel disease is a chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what causes it or what triggers it. Um, what we hope is that by changing the diet um, and changing the, uh, you know, the, the stuff that we're putting in the gut, we can dampen down the inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. So that's the best outcome mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. your cat, um, because there's no, no more drugs. testing, no, no drugs, tests, yeah. no, nothing else that's required. And that's fine if the cat is eating.
1: Yeah. If the
0: cat's not eating, that's a different conversation. Yeah. But um, if the cat is eating, um, you know, then then we'll say, let's try that. And if it works, it actually really doesn't matter what the disease is, you know, to this, be honest.
1: This, this is true. This yeah. is true. <laughs> I mean, because you're looking for an outcome, and if you get the outcome...
0: Yeah, And the majority of cats that have a diet response have a permanent or at least a long-term diet response,
1: and they have it reasonably quickly, usually too. Yeah, yeah, within one to two weeks. And weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I
0: say all that to them, and I say, and fifty percent of those cats, if you actually want to rechallenge them back Mm. to their original diet within six to twelve months. 50% 50% of them can go back to their original diet. Hmm. Most, most of them will, most owners will go, yeah. Know, I, I'm good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go back to that. So that's yeah. the original conversation I have. Now, if that doesn't work, yeah. well then I say, so we're looking at inflammation or we're looking at um, lymphoma. Yeah. So lymphoma is a cancer, but we're not looking at bad cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're looking at a fairly benign, a fairly small cell can- um, lymphoma. And it's actually quite hard to tell the difference between the two. Can be clinically, they look the same. Sometimes yep. they look the same on scope. Yep. Sometimes they histologically. look histologically. Sometimes they look the same on biopsy. Yep. Um, and um, and sometimes uh, I might I might not biopsy the right spot. Absolutely. It's and, not always diffuse disease. And I could tell yep. you that it's got IBD, but yep. in fact it could have lymphoma.
1: There are cats I think that have you Both. Know, your...
0: IBD at one end and lymphoma at the other, and and or even if I'm in the right spot part of the gut, I could still miss the the bit. There is a lot of testing that we can do in addition that will help increase yeah. our diagnostic sensitivity. In the long run, the survival time for IBD and lymphoma is very similar. Yeah. And the treatment very similar. is very similar. Yeah. However, knowing what you're dealing with can sometimes make it a lot easier and quicker to and get quicker to, the, to get to that point right. so if i'm dealing with lymphoma i'm not going to mess around with a no. pred trial i'm no. going straight and to and chlor- yep. and yeah if i'm dealing with ibd i'll probably be a little i'll take a little yep. bit longer to get there yeah because I, I don't want to go straight there yes so um and if the cat's not eating you know and i haven't got the time for that diet trial i'll be talking about putting a feeding yeah. tube in yeah and if I'm putting a feeding chip in, I'm giving them an anesthetic. Yeah, and so, so why not? So why not? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think these. I think it's a very reasonable way to approach. There's no one size fits all, right? No. It's what works for the cat, it's what's works for the owner. It's what the owner can do, what the owner can afford, what else the cat needs. Yeah. I don't know that there's a right or a wrong way to this. I, I no longer
0: yeah. recommend Exla. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes that's a step too far.
1: You know, we, we do sometimes do it for cats where we've ultrasounded them and we've seen multiple abnormalities. Correct. So we want pieces of multiple organs. But, but yeah.
0: that's, but they're not the ones I'm thinking no, about. They're no. not the- No, they're not I the straight- co- yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 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 So so they've all had, oh, sorry, I'll just-, just... <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um they're they're not the ones that i'm talking about doing endoscopy yeah. on so i've right. always ultrasounded them before sure. i've gone to that extra diagnostic step because that will hopefully give me a clue as to whether endoscopy is even likely yeah. to give me something yeah anywhere.
1: and yeah. just
3: from a certain uh, perspective i hated x labs for just biopsies i mean oh, really I, I just yeah. there's it's so maximally invasive yeah but you're a minimally invasive, and, and, invasive and, and person so me, right it just never made sense yeah. and then they said okay just take biopsies off everything because you're in there anywhere. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, there must list. be a better way yeah. to do this. And then, okay, take liver, pancreas, and then, you know, anywhere in the it's just yeah. like crazy. It's what are we doing?
0: Yeah. And the, and the cats are often debilitated by that stage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. they get cold and, you know, yeah. it's a big deal. And yeah. and the owners often don't want that. And by the time they come to me as a refer, they have been through a lot, yeah. you know, and, and they just, you know, often the cats are a bit older. They really, really
1: don't want that. Yeah, them. yeah. Well, I that's know the we art of veterinary a... medicine, though, right? It's trying to tailor what, yeah. what's what's correct for that or what's best for yes. that cat yeah. and that owner.
3: I know we have a little bit of a time issue, so uh, it has been. Are we great. running out of time already? Yeah, but we have, right. We're already done fifty minutes, so uh, so okay. we're doing really well. But okay. uh, I know you're. It,
1: you're you're in you're in demand today, you've got yes. things to do. Very yeah. popular. Busy so I really appreciate yes.
3: you being here and talking to from? us. And uh, like I said, I'm really excited yeah. about this time. Fascinating period. discussion. It really is. is. Super exciting. And I,
1: it's really changing our paradigms. Yes, really. yeah. isn't it? That's and it's it. uncomfortable to have your paradigms changed, yes. right? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. you gotta go <laughs> with yeah. the flow.
3: But you better be in the change than Yeah, better at be the in the
1: change. change. So, correct. So yep. That's exactly correct. There you go.
3: So thank you so much.
0: No problem at all. It was a pleasure. It was surprisingly painless. Good. Great. <laughs> I promised you it would be. We
1: promised you it would be. We're pretty easy people. All
0: right, so
3: okay. thank you.
1: No
2: worries. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine, along with three Cat*. She also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at Dr. Urala Kerpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at G-V-E-T-S-X. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Per Podcast.